Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome back to the 4-1 Warriors plus minus. Yes, we are just chopping off those first two games. Steve Kerr said they were not ready, but we were the entire time. We being the boss man, Tim Kawakami, superstar Ethan Sherwood Strauss, author of The Victory Machine, and the single most important member of our entire operation, the beat writer, Anthony Slater. Am I right about it, TK? Did I, did I get that right? <laughs> Maybe not this Anthony Slater. Maybe not this Most beat important. Most beat writer. Most no, beat actually, this, it's actually correct for our situation. The heartbeat <laughs> of the Slater, team. The heartbeat. The foundation of all that we this do. It's hilarious. When I say something is the most important thing, and then everybody else who's any member of anything else takes it as a shot at them. It's like, no, I'm saying totally was a shot at me and Ethan. That's, well, listeners, yeah, this is what you need to understand on Twitter. This was directed at me and Ethan. It was all shade at us. Slater's the chosen one. I'm slightly reminded of you riling up a certain NBA superstar uh, by using a by similar praising another player. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, I remember okay, something yeah, like that. Yeah, you know, that we, might, we won't that get into happen. it. Yeah, that might have happened. Whatever, whatever. Anyway, let's talk about the Warriors. Let's talk about the Warriors. Did he say uh, we were plural and Slater was singular? Is that what he said? It's a great segue <laughs> because I remember, Tim, and we won't get into all of it, but Tim said that Draymond, it was a tweet about Draymond's importance, singular yes, importance. Yes, yes. Is that, what I'm Ethan's very good at this. He must have written a book about this or something. Yes, that is what got Kevin more mad at me than anything. Absolutely. It was during the Portland series. Onward and upward to other issues. As Slater said, this will be the most positive, <laughs> the most positive episode, maybe of the season. Definitely so far, and definitely probably for the foreseeable rest of this homestand or the next seven games. But man, it's it, just reading Slater's observations. There, man, it is it is a ray of sunshine. It is positive in Warriors world. Yeah, I was gonna say you don't even read the observations. Just scroll down to the comment section. I love this team. Anyone who was doubting Draymond Green, get on this comment section and apologize right Anyone now. Anyone who said that was was doubting Draymond Green. <laughs> Anyone who said that was asking for him to be traded. It's so interesting how this season has played out where they, in some ways, got really lucky that they got... Nets Bucks right away because they were probably losing to anyone in the league 
right out the gate, the way they were playing, the way the offense was being conducted. Um, obviously, Wiseman just like, you know, baby deer on the court, even though he played well in those first couple of games. No Draymond. I know it was on national TV and they got absolutely blown out, but that was the 0-2. And then I think the Damian Lee shot really, really helped them because it would have gotten really tense around there if they were 0-3 with that loss to the Bulls. I feel like that, you know, kind of, you know, eased feelings around the locker room. They have the nice win against a bad Detroit team. And then now this Draymond re-arrival is coincided with just this Steph explosion. And suddenly, you know, they still have, I think, the seventh worst point differential in the league. But they're four and three. They're the five seed right now. We know what's ahead, this seven-game stretch, which we'll get into, I'm sure. But you really last night, you saw what Steve Kerr dreamt this team could be from a defensive perspective, a transition perspective, and even an offensive perspective. Obviously, they're not going to hit 23 threes and have 41 assists last night, by the way, an NBA season high, which is ridiculous for this team. But that is who they are at their like idealized version. One of the things that was revealed again, as has been the case always, right? But we haven't seen it in so long. You probably forgot, but Steph Curry is the is the Bay Area's drug. Like, there's nothing that gets people high like Steph Curry going off, and it doesn't matter. Everything is right. Nothing. There's no pain. There's no hurt. If Steph Curry is hitting threes and going crazy and running around, then everybody loves everybody. It just becomes like Woodstock in the Bay. Like <laughs> people are just they just go crazy. It doesn't even matter that it was against. Like, uh, you know, they beat the Kings last night, right? It doesn't matter. I mean, Portland's not a bad team. They're not the greatest defense 62 in the world. 62 on Portland. 62 yeah, on 62 Portland. Yeah, 62 on Portland is, is a pretty big – I mean, but like I'm saying, it's not like, all right, this means the Warriors are contenders, right? But it doesn't even matter who they're playing against. It, it was very reminiscent of 2015-16. Just like if Steph is going off, it's euphoria for It's reminiscent of when Kobe had those bad Laker teams and it just became all about show up to Staples, watch how much Kobe can score. I remember being at Staples for a game they played against the Warriors and the crowd was yelling and booing when other Lakers shot and made it. They just wanted Kobe to keep shooting. That's what it was all about at that point because everybody understood that that Laker team wasn't winning a championship or coming close. Uh, I think the Warriors might have higher aspirations than that Laker team, but that's the show everybody wants. In lieu of a championship, give us a show. And Steph, I think, has made an adjustment and has talked about it of just trying to be more selfish. And the good thing is it's not detracting from the overall team's mission because I think with this team, with guys who don't necessarily know where to be or know how to share the ball, they've been kind of waiting for him to take charge like this and to be a little selfish. And it actually ironically gets them more involved. The more selfish he is, the more involved some of these role players get. If Steph starts the game, you know, dribbling through and then kicks out to a shooter who's not that confident, they're like, going, oh my God, Steph just passed me the ball. And the shot is tight. We've seen it season after season after season and it clearly happened to Wiggins and Ubre that like all of a sudden like oh oh Steph is passing me the ball he he he's not going to shoot it I better make really make this and the ball goes up and it clangs if Steph just goes I'm getting my shot I'm getting the free throw lane and everyone else kind of flows through that if the ball's going through the basket the defense is is it's easier to play defense it can get out and run maybe then the shots are so much more open uh, yeah I think we've seen that Ubre and Wiggins are not alpha offensive players we knew that it's not a shock but if we really saw this if Steph 
needed to prove it. I think he the first few games proved it. He's got to go to the rim. He's got to go if they're going to, you know, top block him from the three. He's got to go get traffic, get into traffic, and shoot the shot because the other guys are just not ready for that moment. And we're seeing that again. It's not going to work against everybody. He's going to he's going to try to do this and get swatted a few times. Like and that's okay. This had to happen to get Wiggins and Oubre feeling more comfortable. I think it just had to because we saw what it was when they were not feeling comfortable. Well, I think Wiggins is like it's really helped Wiggins settle into the the number two role. That even though he's not you know a, a traditional contending team number two, when he gets Steph Curry explosion number two, and it's like a way far back number two, like you know he's posting up a bit more in the in the sixty two point game. He had twenty one, you know, like he was still kind of getting his in in the cracks of the game quietly, which is where he prefers. but like yeah. chilling twenty one, right? Yeah, like yeah. The ease and guess peaceful. what? The, that's like the it. kind of twenty one he likes to get. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Would you take Wiggins and Steph combining for 83 a game? Yes, I think they'll take that. <laughs> He's clearly a better initiator than, than Oubre. Now, Oubre finally had his breakout last night. Four threes for Kelly Oubre. Doubled his season total. And then there's just the Draymond aspect of this that can't be ignored. I mean, six points in three games, but it has changed because of him. Just the energy of the entire team. And look, Steph Curry is being Steph Curry, and he changed himself against Portland. And that did a lot of stuff to the team. But Draymond Green's defensive energy. I was talking to somebody behind the scenes. They're like, you know how many lobs this team missed for James Wiseman in the first four games? And that can discourage a big man when you're like, I'm open for a lob. Okay, all right. Well, nice nice attempt at a 12-footer, Kelly Oubre. You know, Draymond just seeing him over the top on a lob. Yesterday, he got him in transition because, you know, James Wiseman ran the floor, beat a big man down like he does probably five times a game right now. And Draymond threw it over the top, got him an easy bucket. That invigorates James Wiseman to go back to the other end and play defense alongside Draymond Green. So he's just everything he's doing right now to the team. This is vintage Draymond Green, and I don't know how long it's going to last, but they are so much better when it's here. Contrast it with the first play of Bucks Warriors where Kelly Oubre didn't just miss a lob to Wiseman. Wiseman was just completely wide open by himself ahead of everybody, and he just held the ball for some reason, and Hubie Brown was tearing his hair out. That was the first play of that game, and now it's just everything flows, and it's impressive, and they're still doing the box and one stuff with Steph, and I've seen plays where Draymond has the ball and his defender walks away to the corner to double-team Steph, and yet just through the movement and through the energy and the defense where Draymond looks like a defensive player of the year winner again, and I think he's so underrated on that. I mean, here's just an aside on Draymond. There's almost this irony where he's especially underrated in my opinion, but is often accused of being overrated. You say that he's the best defensive player of his generation. People get their back up about it. And I don't know who's really, who's competing for that mantle. You know, who is it? Block shots. That's the determination of people who don't know defense. <laughs> like who got the most block shots? <laughs> Dwight Howard. Greatest Hassan, Whiteside led the, Hassan Whiteside Steals. led the NBA in blocks last year, by the way. Oh, uh, that's a good point. Yeah. Who was guarding one through five before Draymond? He completely changed the game in the way that Steph did on the offensive side. Rodman maybe would be the other one. But there's a big gap between those careers, right? It's unbelievable how fast people forgot that, by the way. And it's almost like it's a slight this idea that Draymond didn't play for a bad team, like didn't play well for a bad team. It was like, duh. <laughs> I would say two things that went against him. 
he was like he was an eyesore to watch last year you know like he was just not good at all and i understand the context of the situation why he wasn't those games still existed we had to watch those games you know they were data points and then he kind of spent the summer i think a little bit like in a weird way kind of poking at the fan base i don't even know if he meant to but the whole you know the clutch oh, thing lebron and, love yeah. yeah and i mean so the fan base just started getting kind of mad at him which was weird and, and, and they're looking at this big contract just kicking yeah. in now too four That's years 100 million yeah. i mean one of the most by the way one of the most underpaid players in the but it's not decade. i was gonna say it's not that big of a contract no, though no I mean, no, no, I no get it it's like oh draymond got 100 million but it's actually not that big if he's that the last two games, he's worth four years. Oh, no question. No question. He'll he's flip like the- Andre's yeah. contract flipped, where it was like, that's pricey, too. That's a deal. The people who follow the Warriors should know this better than anybody. Like Draymond, he, he's it's about winning. If you're not in a winning situation, you're not getting Draymond. Like, you probably should have wanted him not to go all out, especially if you've been talking about, oh, we don't know what he has left, and he's got to start breaking down. Do you really want Draymond going all out last year next to a Martin? Is that what you really wanted? You know this dude is there about the playoffs. You know he's about winning a championship. You've seen this. Like, did you think for a second Draymond wasn't going to participate in the same Draymond fashion when the Warriors got, like, talented again? Like, it was insane. Did you guys ever see the movie Major League Two? Long time ago. One? Randy Quaid plays like this really angry Cleveland Indians fan who's like turns on the team midseason. And he really turns on Rick Vaughn, played by Charlie Sheen, because Charlie Sheen turns like very corporate after he was the wild thing. And then all season he's yelling at Charlie Sheen, you know, what's got, you know, what, what have you turned into? And then Charlie Sheen does the wild thing haircut at the end of the movie, puts on the, the skull glasses. He wants to riding the vile thing, the grab your throat and choke thing. Blow it out your ass, Lord Mouth. Randy Quaid immediately goes, oh my God, oh my God. He's back, he's back. <laughs> and he turns right back into this like Indians fanatic, like let's go Ricky. And I just kind of felt like that was the last two games for Draymond Green, where it took him one Draymond Green vintage performance for the whole fan base to go, he's back baby. I mean, he kind of needed to remind the world a little bit, but he did. To his credit, he did. You know, And I think him not playing the first four games frustrated people a little bit, and I understand the reason why and the protocol. They thought he was going to play the last two games of the road trip, and then he didn't, and, and they looked terrible. Like So, I mean, look, everything's fickle right now. I mean, we're, we're judging stuff game to game. If we did this podcast six days ago, we're like, is this team going to make the playoffs? Now, I don't know what we're talking. You know, it's just oh, they, this they is how sports is. Yeah, this is just how sports is, but it's interesting. It's results, make or miss league, but I will say that, you know, Draymond is particularly, let's say he and Iguodala, I think, are similar. Like, they're particularly valuable in a winning situation, and they're particularly not so valuable in a losing situation. It's not a problem. It's It adds to who they are. It's the mystique of it. They're not going to score you 25 when you're desperate to score 25. They're not going to do that. And they're going to fill in every other gap. But we're just seeing the gap filling. Like that, you know, we didn't see it last season from anybody. And we didn't see it in the first four games of this season. 
just that, you know, when Wiseman overcommits up top, who's got the bottom? It's, it's Draymond. When this pass has to be made to this person. I, I mean, I was on the call. Was Oubre joking when he said he's never, that might have been the first alley oop he's ever passed in his career? Well, I mean, yeah, he I mean, he might have been exaggerated. Yeah, but it might be exact. But still, like, you could just see, like, he doesn't think like that. And this is all Draymond thinks about. I want to make sure the big guy's rewarded. That's what I'm thinking as I'm dribbling up court, probably on the defensive possession, he's thinking that. And they dribble up court and they get. Gets the oop to very impressive oop to Wiseman. These are just things Draymond thinks about. These are the things that make him have made him so valuable. And even at 30, is he 30 or 31? Whatever. At 30, uh, they make him still so valuable to this team. You know what else? His press conferences have been great. That is usually when you like, you know, he kind of turned it off a little in the press last year. I mean, he was still fine behind the scenes. Like he'd have a conversation, but like he didn't want well, to do the interviews. He, yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he didn't want to do post game. He didn't, you know. He's invigorated. Also, like, if they get this Draymond Green all season, and he's going to have to stay healthy because, you know, I, again, I know if, if a body part breaks down, that can kind of frustrate somebody, but he is going to be so important to James Wiseman. I mean, James Wiseman might be talking about Draymond Green for the next, like, eight years from now when Draymond Green's long not his teammate. He might be talking about these first two seasons if Draymond Green continues to embrace this teaching role that he seems to be doing in the first uh, few weeks. Yeah, it's all the right stuff to arrive in, too. It's, it's like you've got the natural ability. Here's where you have to rotate. Here's what you have to look at. Here's what you have to think about offensively. He's got all the other stuff. It's just that when, when you get this bump, you spin this way. When you know it, and when you well, look, the stuff you know, he was talking with yep. Lillard McCollum, like like yeah, the, exactly. the between games changing of how Wiseman defended them. You could tell how involved Draymond was in the process of teaching that to, to Wiseman. And well, and again, it's going to go ups and downs, but it's this is this is an up right now for sure. We've seen Steph like really ratchet it up, um, especially after you know the first game against Portland. Who's most responsible for? whether or not Steph is aggressive and looking for a shot. Is it Steve Kerr's offense or is it Steph Curry's desire to just turn it up? It's it's Steph. He seems to always get kind of a pass. Like the, the ire seems to always focus on Kerr's offense. But like Steph has the neon green light. You really think for a second. I, I bet Steve Kerr is probably waiting for him to say, fine then. <laughs> like, Go ahead, do what you want to do. I'm not going to stop you. What in the entire world would make Steve Kerr bench Steph Curry? You know, like say, okay, man, don't stop it. You know, Steve would probably be like, that's what I want. Like, yeah, tell me to shut up and I'm going to do, I'm going to run the play I want, right? Like, otherwise, we're going to run the same sets. Tim, you tweeted it before, like Curry versus the world, but they were down 20, right? And it was like, yo, it's too late. And maybe he was prepping for the next game, right? But at some point, uh, uh, he switches the flip and decides, forget this, let's just go. I'm going to do it. And he does it. And it's almost like, yo, it's kind of up to him. He does do it in every game. It's, it's What we're seeing is he's doing it right from the start. And that does set a different tone when Steph's like, forget it. I I'm going. I'm going here. This team without Clay, because, you know, we know, what, what during the dynasty years, what was the first play they always ran? It was always for Clay. Always for Clay. No clay there. It should be for Steph, and it, that's up to Steph. Right from the jump is an interesting point because I was hearing that behind the scenes, Kerr has just been doing an insane amount of focus on winning the first quarter. It's just all been about winning the first quarter. And I'm not sure why he thinks that that needs to be prioritized for this team versus the other teams. Maybe it's the idea that they're young or they're going to get dejected if they're down or or who knows what, but there is just an incredible emphasis on jumping out 
early and, and we've seen that and Steph's aggressiveness is part of that and that seems to have coincided with them turning around really a I mean, we don't want to get hyperbolic, but a season that really looked close to going down the tubes. It's not like it's this is all high screen stuff for Steph. Yes, they're they're doing more of that. Yes, he's being more aggressive and just like, I'm going to get mine. There's even more isolation. But they're starting to unlock a lot of those Kerr pet sets, right? You know, like the curl screens that Wiggins is suddenly like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to go over here and do that. You know, Draymond's just involvement has has opened up a lot of, uh, of Steph's off-ball stuff. They had a play last night with, it was like a loony Draymond curry kind of triangle type thing that really exploited bagley so it's melding together loony by the way loony loony looking loony, 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 loony looking <laughs> the loony lane <laughs> loony playing better than wiseman which i don't think is a slight against wiseman because that's what being 19 in the nba is is that you're gonna have flashes as a high pick of incredible talent that presage future stardom but the old savvy veteran who's not even that old is probably going to know a lot more of the nuances and details but looney in that backup role after uh, after chris is out um has really been i think great for them and helped steady them and yeah. well, let's get the other one to the other eric pascal as a center of the small ball yeah. unit has been so good for him uh, and you know again we we joked about we I, I didn't see a big role for him going into this season because he can't play with Draymond if you can't play with Draymond and Draymond's going to play 35 minutes a game you're going to have to squeeze an awful lot into 13 minutes that I didn't see was going to happen uh, but if you make him the the second unit center which he clearly is now and you can get away with it defensively which Maybe yes, maybe no. points per game, when he's going downhill and the lane's open for him, that's a really nice spot for him. Yeah, that's a really nice spot for him. And the defense hasn't been that bad. And, you know, there aren't that many great second unit opponent centers that are you're going to really have to worry about. This has been great for them. It really is. He's better for that, for that unit than Chris was going to be, probably. And you hate to say he's Chris been hurt, but it really fits. And it gets him those six, seven minutes and a half every single time. If you didn't do it like that, you were really going to have to search for him. Like when Draymond comes out at the end of the first quarter, maybe. But that was going to be it. And he's not going to close because Draymond's going to close. And again, I, I don't think they've played a second together of Draymond plus Pascal. And there's clearly a reason why. So when that happens... You needed to find a spot. And I didn't think it was going to be the second unit center. I sure had no no chance that I think that was going to be. But Pascal's done it, and, and it really holds that unit together. And, and it's been a really nice, you know, it happened by accident, but it's been a nice move for the Warriors. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I like the center mix because of the just the differences in them. You know, Ethan was mentioning, you know, Looney's difference in it's, you know, at times outplaying Wiseman, but, but what I think matters is like, the difference between them to an opponent's brain has got to be just wild, right? You know, Looney's out here. He's making smart little, you know, under the rim moves and, and smart passes and great rotations. And you're like, wow, you know, it's like, I know this 24 year old seems like he's like a 42 year old YMCA player. And then suddenly it's like, whoa, what is it? Did they just make a substitution? Who's this pogo stick dude? Seven one. I mean, like some of Wiseman's dunks are ridiculous. And then yeah, like you get the little mix of Pascal where you're like, oh whoa, they're like super small right now. You have like this six foot five center who's just bully balling at like Cantor at at Hassan Whiteside. Like they have found a really nice mix at the five. Now my concern is Chris is already out for a while, and then you know the health of Looney long term. Like we'll see. That matters now. And they don't have that Chris, like, I guess, insurance policy. You ready for that Uber at five later? <laughs> JTA at five. If they beat the Clippers on, they could be, they, on ESPN. They could get one of them. I don't know if they're going to get, but they're not going to, I don't think they're going to get that one, but they could get the second one. If Steph Curry playing like this, then if they play D, then they got to play D. And Wiggins, I, I'm certain, like, Wiggins has to play really well against a team with great wings. And if he doesn't play really well, they might get, you know, not good. But I think they can get one of these two. I'm not going to predict it, but I think they get one of them. What we're learning in the NBA this season is anyone can get any game yeah, against absolutely. anybody. By 50. Like, by, by, you know, I mean. Look at the Nets season. It's a weird season, the, the way it's going. We see them on opening night. They look like the best team in the NBA. And you're just blown away by the talent. And now they've got this dimwitty out for the season and they're a little bit scufflesville now kd is missing time due to covid protocol it just seems like this season is going to have more fluctuation and variance and it's going to be a roller coaster for so many different individual no teams. crowds too is huge I, I i think that just so much is the ebb and flow of the crowd you know that you you play all you know every other night it's you get your energy or you lose your energy based on the crowd and that's not there and they're having to, and the bubble was different because it just was all the same thing it was weird but it was not this like you go to a you travel get off the plane you have a shoot around and then you're not used to a silent arena and it's it's just it's different for everybody and some guys it's going to be okay some guys are going to struggle and, and and i think we're seeing just this in the randomness of these these scores you just don't know what to expect curry not getting a crowd for 62 is rough 
Yes, yes. Well, you know, it's just, it's the reality. Curry has his own crowd in his head. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's doing the airplane. You don't like the that. Hollywood Zoom squares? The little Hollywood Zoom yeah, squares? Like All right. Team, okay, uh, let me, like let me uh, rephrase. Joe Lacob not getting a crowd for Curry 62 and Chase Center is rough for Joe. It's not up to, not up to Joe Lacob. Uh, he, he wanted 8,000 people in there for that game. I kind of want to bring back uh, Rotation Station. Kerr said he would need 20 games. Feels like it took them six, they got it. seven, <laughs> they got right? It. <laughs> uh, but interestingly enough, JTA, wants his kind of Anderson, played pretty well, and it seemed like he's out. Like, he didn't – did he play last game? Yeah, Draymond comes in and he's out. Draymond Green's return bumps him, and then they actually deactivated him last night because he's a two-way and you only get 50 games. So they said they're going to spot deactivate him to save yeah, his game and i don't think they feared the king's power forwards <laughs> like harrison Marvin barnes bagley, yeah, oh, bagley weren't weren't worried was not a, like jta might have to go defend carmelo he does not have to guard any power forwards when they play the sacramento kings i mean draymond's gonna play dear fox's dad fears bagley <laughs> what a situation don't get me going on the kings don't get me going on the kings but they've got a rotation and then you know wiggins and Ubre can play some you know defend some bad fours or softer fours i should say and they've got Bazemore, who's... I really like Bazemore. Yeah, Uber Steve dropping Bazemore out of the rotation was a weird... Like, uh, there was something going on there because he was going to come back to Bazemore. You just knew he was. I know what was going on. They wanted to give Jordan Poole a chance. Jordan Poole worked for nine months. He, they praised it behind the scenes. And look, they're correct. I mean, he has a really good work ethic. So do you, Slater. I wouldn't play as a backup <laughs> shooting guard for the Warriors. <laughs> I mean, look, he's a former first-round pick. And this is a 72-game season. This is just like people want to be like, oh, you know, how could they have taken Bazemore out of the rotation? Like, we're seven games into a 72-game season. And they're four and three. And Bazemore understands that, right? Like, he, all you got to do is have a conversation with him. I think it was almost more to pool. Like, here's your shot. Don't say we didn't give you a shot, and if it doesn't work out, then we're going to put Baseball back in. But, you know, it's a pretty dramatic move. It's a, you know, it's a winning move. Fair, yeah, it it's a fair. winning veteran move. I would like to hear how Ethan imagined that conversation going between Steve and Baseball about Jordan Poole. Where's uh, Radio Ethan at? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't know if I'm prepared for this. <laughs> Radio Ethan is is somewhere retired. Retired, yeah. We've got Kent Bazemore giving incredible energy as a cheerleader when he should be on the court doing dirt. Meanwhile, Steve Durr is more like Kent Lazemore, not paying attention to who should be on the floor, not paying attention to what offense actually functions, doing carrying and sharing communism instead of high screen and roll. Steph throwing the alley-oop down to Wiseman. He should be fired. He's not a coach of the year. He's a fraud of the year. I got to ask, what does uh, Radio Ethan think of this new young rookie, James Wiseman? He dunks pretty hard. What do you think, uh, Radio? <laughs> radio Ethan's tired. <laughs> radio, radio Radio's throat is, is, is Radio right Ethan's now. got <laughs> Radio Ethan's a long hauler over here. Like, <laughs> I've gotten older, you know. I, I need some I need some I do breaks. think I, I think we went management. entire last season without a Radio Ethan appearance. So that was like this does yeah. show like we're back. Like things are turning the other way. We we got Radio Ethan on spec. On spec. So they go one and six in the next <laughs> seven. No, I'm just kidding. Warriors say. optimism is really, uh, it's really burbling up. But I will say this is all, I mean, this is more of the influence of Coach Draymond, right? He had that Instagram, was it an Instagram, uh, where he was basically saying that Bazemore should be on the floor. And it really does feel, 
it does feel a little bit a little, little vibes vibes of 2015 2016 where the draymond influence is just so strong on the peripheral level and you know like draymond's right a lot draymond is an assistant coach he is I mean, I know it's not in... in and he's in, not a low... I love Draymond, a, but as long as he's not drafting dudes, he's all right. Like, <laughs> stay out of the draft room, Draymond. Steve said he ran an entire film session the other day. He ran the yeah, entire I was going to say, he's not a low-level Warriors assistant either. He, he's not doing a video guy. He's, he's up he's got there. A front, he's got a front-row seat. He, he's yeah, on, he's, he's got a front-row seat. He, he could substitute guys <laughs> in and out. Maybe. Yeah. He might be substituting guys in and out pretty soon. Did yeah. you see him during the games he was inactive? It, he had a, like a, uh, you know, a couple cards that he was reading. He kept talking to Mike Brown and Steve Kerr. I mean, he's sitting there, smileys next to him, like trying to get information out of him. and. <laughs> I've seen a couple of times Wiseman goes to the bike when he subs out and Draymond goes down there and he's like, you know, talking to Wiseman. So it's, it, yeah, I mean, he look, he's, he is an assistant coach. That's just a fact at this point. Yeah. 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 But now let's, let's, if we can get to that rotation, it seems pretty settled. You know, you get Pascal as a center on the second unit, you get Baysmore in as a backup shooting guard wing slash when Wiggins comes out, it's all settled. I mean, Looney splits the first quarter with Wiseman. Pascal, second unit. You've got that second unit going. He's putting Pascal at the end of the first yeah, quarter. Pascal at the end Steph. of the first quarter. When, when, well, that's when when Draymond comes out. I don't know if, if Draymond yeah, yeah, yeah. going to always come out like that. But yeah, you have to put somebody in there. I just like that. I like them. Wanamaker is going to only play those six minutes that steps out because he does not deserve those extra minutes. Like we've talked that he might at some point get him back, but you're set. Like you got you, you base it around Steph, Draymond, and Wiseman minutes. Everyone else kind of flows from there. Wiggins is the offensive catalyst of the second unit with Pascal. This is pretty well plotted out. Yeah, it did not take 20 and games. And Mulder, Mulder finally Mulder, started making shots. Yeah, Mulder back in there, hitting the, hit the corner three. They got too many shooting guards, clearly, and Steve has kind of settled it out, and Jordan Poole is going to get the DMPs right now. At some point, they're going to need him again, maybe, just as a body. But yeah, people are complaining. Oh no, they they, they do that option for next year, and then they immediately start, start not playing them. Yeah, they... The option is just to keep them on the roster. You know, it's like you're going to need players next season at a low number. There will be injuries. Yeah, exactly. This season. Will Let be me injuries. break some news. He's six yeah. foot five. There's that's what got got. You know, that's a good size for that position. And he's 21 years old. And it wasn't whether he's going to play this season, uh, play a big role this season. It was just like, yeah. I mean, you need people on this roster. You got three guys making over 30. So you know that's sort of important. And Draymond making 26. So you, you do need to make sure your roster is filled out with guys you kind of know. Beyond that, Jordan Poole does not serve a big purpose on this roster until somebody gets hurt. So will Nico Mannion take a Brad Wanamaker spot? Is that, is that <laughs> I'm just joking. Well, I think he's fine. Wanamaker's not, Wanamaker's yeah, he does need not, to play better. Yeah, my, I mean, he's got to make a shot. Though. My God, yeah, yeah, he's, he's fine and everything else. It's the Ubery thing, right? If you're fine, a lot of things... Kerr's going to play you because he wants those other things, and he's going to count on you making a shot at some point. Wanamaker is not making a shot. Ubre finally did. You know, Wanamaker's history says he's going to make shots, like we said with Ubre. I don't, you know, how long can you go with it? How long does Wanamaker, like, try, you know, before he does something else? Well, the thing like, is, his replacement's not going to come in and light up the no, world. No, so exactly. It's like, it it's yeah. might mean you know, ticking up Steph's minutes in the, in the tough games, but... They're going to do that anyway, and you know he gets a couple of these fourth quarter blowouts. Who doesn't have play that keeps that minute total down. So you know Wanamaker's got a role. I could see if you know I I think Wanamaker's 
he'll be fine, right? He's he's take he's making up some decisions where it's like you you you're a veteran, you should be making better decisions. But I think he'll be fine. Steve Kerr loves him, but I can't see a universe where Bazemore runs the point the second unit and you get the extra. Well, Bazemore's so turnover prone though. But uh, if he's just at the top dribbling, he's, he's turnover prone when he's trying to create stuff. What is Wanamaker actually doing? <laughs> I mean, I agree. Like, look, we can get into Wanamaker's struggles, but the problem I see with Baysmore, and you saw it in that first Portland game where they got blown out, where Derek Jones was pressuring the hell out of Steph, and they wanted to get him off the ball. So they, they let Baysmore run the point a little bit, and Portland knows Baysmore because Baysmore really struggled for Portland last year. And you could tell, you know what Terry Stotts did? Go pressure Baysmore. And he got ripped like twice in that game up top because he's just, he's not a good ball handler, really. He's not a good ball handler against starting perimeter defenders. Like, he's. Just fine in a second unit, I think. The teams could switch that up and put their, you know, they could put Rondo on them or something. You know, you know, that could be a little scary. I, I see what you're saying, and you can. That's and like you can one have, guy they could put on. Yeah, him. and and you and you could have you could have Wiggins do some. Kyle initiative Guy won't give him any problems. Kyle <laughs> Guy, watch up, lock down Kyle. Guy. Lock down. There are a lot of backup guards in this league who make their name off just being gritty defenders. Like you know what Brad Wanamaker would do if he was you know playing against Bazemore, he'd go try to rip the ball from Kent Bazemore. You know, that's what backup guards in the NBA do. If so Kent Bazemore, I don't or can't bring it up like, and get the ball to Wiggins or Pascal, then he shouldn't be in the league. Well, I literally saw <laughs> him not fail. Wow. I literally saw him fail to do that twice in the Portland blowout. Who, so, I mean, who, like, who, who knew the the, the 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 most heated the, heat, the most heated discussion would be about Kent Bazemore in this podcast? <laughs> Kent Bazemore can't bring the ball up. Like, come on, he, he just struggles against pressure. Yeah, he he, he just, does. He does. Know. He's long- he's a wing. He's not a guard. I thought the more pa- impassioned conversation would be about how Damian Lee needs more minutes. I thought that's where it was going to go. I think they got him at the right yeah. minute he, he's total He's been now. really important to them, though. Like Even if it's not in a major production, he didn't do much last night. But just to have a guy run around there who can hit a three, and at the end of the game is pretty important, too. But that just fills in a lot of blanks for them when you have... Kelly Oubre starting like he did. When you have Wiggins, when you you can't really predict if the ball's going to go in or not. When you have Wanamaker starting out, what is he one for fourteen from three? Damian Lee's a guy who can hit that shot. He's not going to, you know, he's thirty six percent at best, thirty three percent. You know, he's going to be in that range. He's not going to be thirty eight, but at that size, he plays power forward sometimes on this team. That's an important little piece. This is a, you know, a. a dynasty era kind of piece they're not in the dynasty anymore they're not that team but Damian Lee's feeling that kind of role and as we've mentioned many times he might have been able to do it in 2019 too but uh, he's doing it now I favor more minutes but I think I favor more shooting than maybe Kerr does and there are a bunch of things that they're always looking at behind the scenes and inform why certain guys are getting minutes I mean, but, but who would he I be generally, taking them from is the question yeah, I mean, it would be um, Bazemore, Oubre. Oubre, Wiggins. You know, it's it's just that mix, it's that that mix of players. How they yeah. move them in now. Well, and and the Oubre thing is is a little confounded because Laka spent a kajillion dollars on the Oubre roster spot, so there is a little bit of you're going to give more chances to that guy rather than make it a, a tens of millions of wasted money versus. Damian Lee. I mean, that's that's reality. It's a reality nobody's going to admit to, but that's certainly part of it, and that's one of the reasons why I think Ubre, despite all the struggles, uh, has gotten so much rope. 
Ubre being the best version of Ubre makes them a much better team than Damian Lee's just gonna be. Ubre being eighty percent of the best version of Ubre, you know, little if he just makes thirty percent of his yeah, series, make his shots just, makes yeah, a just, whole big and, difference because he can go. I mean, he doesn't shut down Damian Lillard, but he makes Lillard have to work to get those shots. He, you know, he's not gonna take over against Kawhi Leonard if that's who he's guarding. But he makes these guys work. He gets rebounds. The, all these things that they need from this lineup when without Clay Thompson in there, he gives them a lot of it. Now, if he makes a shot or I, mean, I, I was at some point, I was saying like I don't know how long you can go if he's shooting one point six percent and taking five a game. Kerr stuck with him. He kept shooting. I give Ubre full credit for that. And then once he's making one of one a game, you know, takes three, makes one. That's pretty valuable with everything else that he does. So I wouldn't really be taking that many minutes from him. Damian Lee, just work him into the mix, work him in there. You know, he he's on that second unit. He can he can sub in as a, instead of Mulder sometimes. Mulder and him kind of flip some minutes, but he's not a guy I would say I have to get in there over Kelly Oubre just because of the other things Oubre does. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 US-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ubre feeds into their identity of what they want to be. You know, transition, pace, deflections, length. Not the passing. Not the passing. Not, not the passing, but, you know, you see it with Draymond back. That matters less because it's like Draymond's like, I'm going to run the fast break. Ubre, you just run down the court without the ball, and I will get you the ball right at the moment you need the ball. And you will dunk when I pass to you. And when I don't pass to you, it's because I'm using you cutting to get, you know, Wiseman or Wiggins on, on this slashing lane. So the pieces just fit better with Draymond out there. Because you know what's one thing Draymond doesn't do? He does not shoot at all. How funny is Draymond Green's scoring line right now? He's going to average more assists than points this year. I mean, I think he's going to have more total assists than total points this year. Is that that probably a ridiculous statement? But it's 6.17 assists right now. There are so many mouths to feed on that lineup already when you look at it. When you look at Ubre fashions himself a score, Wiggins over 20 points a game traditionally, obviously Steph, and then Wiseman likes to score and wants to get involved. I mean, there there really there needs to be a guy who's focused only on table setting um, in that lineup and in a lot of other lineups, so it makes a lot of sense. One thing that I think the, the Draymond introduction has done too it's it's really shifted Wiseman's role and I think in many ways for the better uh, especially when it just comes to what he can contribute it seemed like he was just always a threat to foul out I mean he's still a threat to foul out but more so he was just on that island and it would just be a countdown till him racking up two fouls and getting pulled now he has that backup with Draymond and then on offense uh, he's been shifted from more of a high screen role to just being in the dunker and it just seems like it's simplified and there's just less that he has to do and I'm, I'm going to be writing about him I mean we're going to be writing about him probably all season He's a very odd player. He's a very strange mixture of qualities. Are you guys kind of picking up on that where the things he can do and the things he's less good at, it's just he, he comes in and you sort of think of him as an archetype. Okay, this guy is going to rim run, he's going to screen, he's going to rim run, and he's going to rebound block shots, young Dwight Howard, whatever, whatever. And it's really a more strange 
tantalizing, does some things that are just above and beyond what you would think, and then some things that you took for granted that he could do, he's still working on. He's a very unusual player. It's kind of a good way to promo. I, I actually had a like 20 minute conversation with Wiseman a couple of days ago. Um, and I also talked to Penny Hardaway. I think we'll have a story up soon. What I see most is he doesn't love physicality. He's trying to learn to love it. And this goes back to his background where his ninth and 10th grade years were at a really kind of ritzy prep school in Nashville. And Penny Hardaway said it looked like Princeton, basically the campus got him out of it, brought him to Memphis East, a grittier inner city school. And he just had his team beat up Wiseman. And for, for years, obviously up into his first year of college when Penny Hardaway was his college coach, he's tough love. He, he, he's kind of tough love on Wiseman. And he has told Wiseman, you listen to everything Draymond Green says. He's going to yell at you. You need to listen to it. When they tell you to be more physical, they're right. Be more physical. And it's you can tell it's just the balance. Like James Wiseman wants to be great. They love his work ethic behind the scenes. He naturally wants to shy away from contact. That's the big thing everyone you talk to says. He's just like, I don't necessarily want to go mix it up in there i'm really skilled i can shoot this 12 foot fadeaway and they are just like yeah you know what you might make that 12 foot fadeaway go dunk on somebody you can dunk on anybody you're 19 and you can dunk on every nba center right now like who's blocking his dunk maybe like, go there yeah maybe go there he made marvin bagley look small last yeah oh man did he right can i say that wiseman might be right and they might be a little bit wrong I feel like people sometimes gravitate to the things that they know they're good at in their own pathway. And I mean, that's kind of a Nate Duncanism of, uh, you know, people tend to do what they can do. And I just think the league is shifting and the way it's officiated is way different. And it's tough on post players. You know, you can get away with murder when a guy has your, his back to you versus the face up game where it's so easy to draw fouls. And I look at Wiseman and I think, you know, maybe make him more of a perimeter player. And yeah, lob dunks. Yeah, rim runs, of course. But I'm not sure if his pathway is on that low block. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense to me. I think he needs it as part of his game. The 15 to 24 foot shots always going to be there for him, in, you know, as a seven foot one guy. You're just going to set a high pick. The center is going to go try to, you know, drop on Steph and you're going to have that shot. But you need to have that element in your game. I will also say, though, as I've said, his, his juggling the ball, him getting it knocked loose from him on the block isn't a great sign that he's going to be a dominant post player because people know now that they can get in there and whack it away. But he's got to have that element. He's got to have, he's got to like, he can still turn and shoot that jump hook over anybody from five feet. So, and he's got a little right-handed jump hook. They need that element in him. He's 19. Why don't you just try to do it? See if how much you can do it. I'm not saying do it 10 possessions a game, but do it three possessions a game. Do it five possessions a game. And that shot is going to be there. We've seen it. He just shows up and that shot's there. Like, they're not going to guard him at 22 feet. They're not going to do it. I do think working on him on the post is important for his game. I think where they really need to see the physicality Slayer's talking about is on rebounding. I think that's where he needs to mix it up. He needs yes. to crash the boards like a mate. That's where they need him pushing people around and being big and physical. And, and you know, he's going to finish at the rim. He's going to take it to the rack strong. Like, we know that. So I don't need to see the post up as much. I do think he needs it, but I don't need to see it as much. He should be dominating the rebounds. Like, that's where I want to see the physicality. One of the things they've been really encouraged by is he has better second halves than first halves. They, they they feel like he's learning within games. And you've even seen it 
with the rebounds where there's whole quarters. I mean, the Detroit game, he was terrible rebounding. He wouldn't mix it up. And then at halftime, I mean, you even saw it coming out of half. Draymond was like forearm shivering him out to the court, like go hit somebody. And then he went out and like was suddenly like chinning rebound, you know, like rip chin the ball. Man, he snatched like, okay, one yeah, rebound like, and whipped that thing from like, like the rafters. It, it was like, geez. I would say that where I want to see the physicality more offensively, it's one of the things I said, what I asked him, what play has frustrated you most that you've done so far? And he said it was the first Portland game, Harry Giles. He faced up on Harry Giles, and he could have gone through Harry Giles. Harry Giles is way smaller than him. And instead, he went for that sweeping right-hand hook that he loves. It's just like, okay, dude, that has like a 4% chance of making it. He's like, I should have went right through his shoulder and dunked on him. He said, I should have went right through his shoulder and dunked on him. And then the next night, he did the spin move, go to the rim, hammer dunk. You know, that 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 super smooth one. That is who he is in the NBA. I do agree with Ethan. Like, you you do want to use that skill set some and, like, let him shoot the jumper. Well, the spin move is part of that perimeter skill set. I mean, that is the move. I'm going to be writing about that, but that is the move for that type of guy right now. Of rangy, super athlete, shaky shot, the spin move, that's the weapon. That's Giannis. That's Zion. Zion. That's Zion. Yeah, Zion's got a devastating one. He's a different version of Zion a little bit, right? I mean, like, how about the shot block he had weak side last night, just pinning it on the glass? It was like he waited for it, too. Like, it it was suspended in the air. He's like, eh, let me wait to right before and then slapped it. His wingspan plus verticality is something that everyone's got to get used to because it's different. It's just different. Like he can do different than Ethan's talked about the jump shot. We've all seen it in, in the post. He does not get that, that. And that's one why you like him on the post is that shot's not getting blocked. Anything he wants, again, he stumbles around a little bit. I think that's a little like Zion too. It's like you see, he's like, a, he can get there, but he kind of takes a half step and maybe, oh, wait a minute, and then he's there. And it's, it's not so smooth. You know, they're super athletic, but they're still figuring out how to get to the right spots in the NBA. But I agree with what I think Slater was saying. Like, I'm not sure I can quite plot what the end game here is. It's something good, but it's not for sure David Robinson. It's not for sure Chris Bosh. I was thinking Embiid for some of this, you know, that some of that spinning stuff. And Embiid does it, too. Like, you know, where he's just so big. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with a guy? To Ethan's point earlier and kind of what he sounds like he might be writing about like he's just going to be james wiseman this guy is going to be very unique they need to figure out a way not to have him travel uh on you know on the whole team needs to work on that right they do the shuffle shuffle foot they do the shuffle foot thing i wish penny hardaway was teaching him how to uh how to do that out of triple threat as opposed to beating him with a pool noodle or whatever he was doing (laughs) out there because that's it's just he's so new that's the thing about him there are some basic things it seems like he's just learning how to play the game and he has so much talent well which is fine because as he reminded me multiple times uh, on the call and as we need to keep reminding ourselves he's a teenager this guy is a teenager. It's absurd. Like he was born in 2001. I was talking to Petty about comparing him to young Shaq, and he was like, yeah, I've had him watch you know, tape of Shaq. And it's like, oh, yeah, he was born, the, and Shaq was already on the Lakers by the time he was born. You know, He can make all these mistakes right now because like, in 2025, he's going to be like 20, 24 years old, 23 years old. And Looney will be 25. Yeah, Looney's going to be 25. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, it's funny because Looney scores his 1,000th point in the NBA career. I go, yeah, that's pretty good, but he's like 51. So, you know, that's not a great rate. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. He's only 25. So can you imagine 10 more years of Looney in the NBA? It'd be, how, how, it's going to be hilarious. I guess just mean the, the general thing is like it, it's 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 easy to forget how young this guy is. 
you know, that's why it's so what's why the ceiling is so high from or it's even, you know, invisible. You don't, you don't know where this guy's going to go. That's what the excitement is. The fact that he's doing this stuff in his first two weeks in the NBA after no training camp, after no summer league, after barely any college uh, is a incredibly bright light for what he's going to be in his career and what's going to be at the end of the season. And I've been talking about this with Marcus like. Can you? I mean, the Warriors get. Let's say they get in the playoffs. Let's just say that. I don't. We don't know that they get in the playoffs. Wiseman's good, and Minnesota's pick is like the fifth overall. And then you got Clay coming back next season. That's like ideal for the Warriors. This is what this is setting up to be. If he's good, if they're good, if Minnesota's bad. But that's Minnesota the play. Minnesota, Minnesota still learning how to lose. Horrible. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> they came out the gate looking decent, and uh, yeah, that's uh, Ta- Towns getting hurt. Yeah. Who Towns knew that D'Angelo really? Russell being your centerpiece would be problematic for a basketball team? Who could have known that? But this sets up like that. Like that is this. You know, when when they made these moves, they were hoping for this, this, and this. And again, it could all fall apart. They could lose by a hundred to the Clippers twice. But Wiseman is such a big part of that. Getting Clay back next season, if they do get him back at full speed, is such a big part of it, and you can get the get get the Minnesota pick in with that. That's how this franchise relaunches. That and when we're seeing the outlines of it. I've got some uh, NBA ratings optimism. Oh my way. goodness! You got Warriors going up against the Clippers <laughs> on ESPN, uh, and there's a little bit of there's a little bit of hype to the Warriors. There's a little bit of intrigue. There's some juice to that game, man. And if they win, there's going to be even more juice to the next game. So that's, yeah. So they got two two Warriors Clippers on national TV. I think that's a pretty good, pretty good draw, pretty good selection. How many people watching would, would you deem it a success? Well, I think if you go these days, if you go over to the qualifier, go over, I know you guys, yeah. these days. Well, yeah, I'm trying to think like what would I, I think unalloyed success is over 2.5 million over three. Whoa. You know, that's that's that man. The Warriors are back if it's over three and over two is that's that's pretty good. Over two is pretty good. So that's that's my scale. All right, right two there. million. That's so, the two million. million. Let's go. Two million well, no, Adam Silver, Adam Silver, you've got your over under. Go ahead. Let's see how it plays. Certainly better than Bucks Heat on Tuesday. That blowout getting uh, eight hundred and thirty-seven thousand. Uh, that was uh, that's not great for the MVP on national television. All right, we got We got to get out of here. Uh, let, hold on, Slaker. You don't have a podcast? No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the Slakers are playing today. It's tough to do a podcast. Uh, Slaker. Uh, I, I hey, to- by the way. Slakers definitely remain the title favorite. This league is not exactly exploding with contenders right now. I wanted to uh, end with the Warriors are up to 18th in defensive rating. How high will they get? Coach is hoping top 10. I, I don't know if they're quite going to be there. Might want to check back after this. Yeah, I am curious uh... what it is after the first two games. They're, they're probably like 12th if you just take out the first two games. You can't do it. Those games count. But... Those were really bad, really, really bad two games. No, they they were 18th after the first two games. <laughs> Maybe 25 games into the season, what their Draymond Green on-off defensive. 23rd now. 112.6, my bad. All right, have a good one. We will holler at you next time the Warriors go 4-1 over a five-game stretch or next Tuesday. How about that? It's a great time out!